What is more glorious than hearing about someone getting saved like Brother Metcalf on Wednesday night? Isn't it wonderful that he saved us? I mean, that's the greatest of the great. That's what we're talking about this morning, uh, about the Gibeonites. I'm going to be talking about them, look, looks like, all day. Okay? Sunday school hour, we got into the fact that they got saved. Then during this hour, I'm going to get into the fact at how God, after He saves us, He keeps us saved. After He saves us, He protects us. He keeps His Word for His own. He doesn't save us and leave us on the doorstep like some children that are born these days. But when the new birth takes place, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. But when we are born again, the Lord protects us and guides us. He indwells us with His Holy Spirit, the great Comforter and the great Teacher and the great guide of the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity, lives in every born-again believer. And he, it says in the Scriptures, He will guide us into all truth. It doesn't mean we always listen right away, but He's patient with us and He loves us. If He didn't love us, He would have never saved us. But He loved us with... And, and we are, by the way, since He's God and He knows the beginning from the end, He knew you were going to get saved. Now, I know that gets pretty deep, but God is pretty deep. And He knew you were going to get saved on a certain day, and you were going to hear the Gospel, and you were going to repent and trust Him as Savior. And so, He knows the day of your death, too, or the day of His coming, whichever comes first. And He is concerned about us. We don't need a September 11th experience to know that God takes care of us. By the way, the, one of the first things I thought of when I heard about September 11th was, thank God I wasn't there. And I was sorry for those that were there. And if that be true, that there were missionaries, many missionaries in the building there in Oklahoma, there were missionaries when that building was blown up in Oklahoma, missionaries taking care of some business. And they died in the Oklahoma bombing. Surely there must have been some Christians in that huge, those towers. So many died. And so I grieved for them. But I was thankful my wife and family were not there. Just like I was thankful that my wife was not at Luby's when... She was going over there for lunch and she ended up at Piccadilly's. I'm thankful she's still here. For she sat right there where the man came through with his truck, with his two 9mm guns and all that ammunition. And she would have been there. And right where he came through and she would have been killed most likely. Because he hated women, that fellow. But I'll tell you what. Um, he's in hell today. And these people... If they're not there already, they must repent or they'll go to hell fire. Amen. But I'm thankful in everything. Give thanks. And I'm thankful that God saved me and protected me. And these Gibeonites, this is just a marvelous story here. I want to just give you the briefing and then we'll go on, give you a quick introduction to bring you up where we are 
in Joshua. Turn to Joshua, please, chapter 8. We got down to verse number 16 in the Sunday school hour. Well, 15, and we'll pick up right where we left off, and then we'll go on and see what is said in the Bible. There was no day like this day, nor after this day. The history of the world, where God listened to a man, and that man was Joshua, so that the enemies of Gibeon and the enemies of Israel and the enemies of God could be defeated and destroyed because God had saved the Gibeonites when they came to Joshua. And so let me quickly give you this preview and then we'll, we'll go on with the story. So the preview is this. The Gibeonites were doomed. They knew they were doomed. They had heard about the Lord delivering the children of Israel out of Egypt's bondage, most likely they'd heard that, and opening the Red Sea. They'd heard about Joshua coming across the Jordan River on dry ground in the whole nation of Israel. They'd heard about before Joshua came across on dry ground that uh, Moses had destroyed Sihon and Og over on the east of Jordan River. These great nations with Og who was a, a giant and they were destroyed by Moses. Moses died. God buried Moses. I'll tell you, Moses was a great man. Other people will bury you and me, but I want you to know God buried Moses. Hallelujah. They couldn't take you to his burying place either because God buried him. Anyhow, Moses died. Saw the promised land but did not go in. And yet Joshua comes over the dry shod... Jordan River, and they'd heard about this, the Gibeonites, and I'm sure that all the 31 nations on the western bank of Jordan, the west side of Jordan, had heard how that God had dried up the Red Sea and all these other things. And so they heard also that as soon as they got across, they destroyed Jericho, that big walled city was annihilated and only Rahab the harlot and her family were preserved and the whole city was completely annihilated. In fact, God had said, I want you to destroy every man, woman, and child. The only thing you can save is the beasts. Sometimes they would all be destroyed of all, all of those things as well. But God did not want any of these people breathing. They were so wicked and God felt like they would pollute through their idol worship and their heathen practices, his people, and would get them through remarriage back to idol worship. And God hated idol worship. Still hates idol worship. And so then Jericho goes down, then Ai goes down. And so Gibeon, which was the next one to be taken, there were only three days journey or very close by there, no, they were closer than that. They weren't any journey at all. They were right around the corner. They were the Hittites. And so they, they, they said, well, we, what are we going to do? We're going to be destroyed. We've heard that God has told Moses and Joshua and the Red Sea they walked across. They're, they're winning everybody. They're going to come in and they're going to kill every man, woman, child. We're all doomed. What shall we do? And they were like we were when we came to the end of ourselves and we saw the only thing for us was hellfire. Total destruction. And they came to Joshua and they came with their old 
clothes and their old shoes and their moldy bread and their old wine bottles. And they came and they said, we've come from a long journey. And when we started out on our journey, our bread was fresh. They lied. They lied through their teeth. They lied. But all they wanted was mercy, mercy, mercy. And that heathens, all they know how to do is lie anyhow. Amen? Some of you were terrible liars before God saved you. And some of you just lied to yourself. You weren't, you weren't too big on lying, but you did lie to yourself and told, every, told yourself you were a good person. And God says you're no good. If nothing else, maybe you were honest in your dealings with others, but we all do speak lies. We lie to ourselves, And we all need salvation. And so here they said, our only answer is to go to Joshua. And Joshua's name is the same as Jesus. It means Savior. And I'll tell you, our Christ is a conqueror too. He conquers every foe for us. And He conquered us when He saved us and brought us into worship and contrition and brokenness before Him. He conquered every one of us. Amen. He's the captain of our salvation. He's the God of glory. So they come to Joshua and they lie about this. And so Joshua says, well, where are you? At first, they, the elders and different ones said, the princes, they all said, well, where, where are you from? And they said, oh, we're from a long journey. And so Joshua and the elders, they, they promise them, they make a league with them because they tell about the Word of God and how they knew that the Word of God was true. They knew that they would be doomed if they didn't make a league with Israel and Joshua and the people didn't ask counsel of the Lord, but I believe it was of the Lord. Though they didn't ask counsel of the Lord, I believe it was of the Lord. It's grace. And Joshua promises them that they will live. And that's all they cared about. They just wanted to live. You ever get to that place in your life where you're maybe deathly sick or you thought you were going to die and all you want to do is just you just wanted the promise of life. And so he promises them. And I'll tell you what, God always keeps his word. God will keep his promise. And so three days later, they find out that there are their neighbors right around the corner. And they all get upset with each other and get upset with the princes. And, jo- and it gets so, and they, they, they bring them in there and they say, Why have you told us this? You're our neighbors. And they said, Oh, uh, we just, we, we knew we were doomed. And we just, just thought we'd try to be saved and try to live. And there was a big confusion in the camp of Israel. And they said, we've promised them in, by the Lord God of heaven that we would not kill them. Therefore, we cannot go back on our word or we will be in trouble with God. And so Joshua tells them that you're going to be servants. You're going to be slaves. You're going to be slaves for all the children of Israel. In other words, they're going to, they're going to cut the wood and they're going to be the bearers of water. That's still, you go down to Mexico, that's a big thing, getting water in those very primitive areas. It's a big thing. The girls will come with their water on the top of their heads, carrying the water from down at the cricks. And then the wood, that was their means of heat. And what? They would have to hew the wood. 
And they, so for all the, the, these Gibeonites, which were four different cities now, we told you in the Sunday school hour, there were four cities. And of these four cities, just like there were four cities destroyed in the day of Lot, Sodom, Gomorrah, Adama, and Zeboam, so there are four cities preserved by a great God who keeps His promises to those He promises. God will always keep His word. We don't always, but He does. He said He'd save them. He'd let them live, though everyone else was going to be destroyed. Like Rahab the harlot, they were preserved. Here's the four cities. It's in verse 17. It says, And the children of Israel journeyed, this is in chapter 9 of Joshua, verse 17, John, I mean Joshua 9, verse 17, And the children of Israel journeyed and came to unto their cities on the third day. Now their cities were Gibeon and Phira and Beroth and Kirjath-Jerim. Four cities. And the Bible says they spoke them not. Now down to verse 27. And Joshua, this is in chapter 9 of Joshua, verse 27, And Joshua made them that day hewers of wood and drawers of water for the congregation, for all the congregation of Israel, and for the altar of the Lord, even unto this day in the place which he should choose. I'll tell you what, I'd rather be a slave and have my life I'd rather be a bond servant and have my life. And there's something good about being a bond slave of Jesus Christ. The Bible says, Paul said, a servant of Jesus Christ, a, a slave, he has no wishes of his own. He has no work of his own. But in some ways, he really doesn't have any worries of his own either. For he's taken care of by his master and if it's the Lord God of heaven who you're a bond slave to, if it's the Lord Jesus Christ you're a bond slave to, and He loves you like He loves us, everything's all right in my Father's house. Amen? Oh, here they are. And what happens as soon as they get saved by the Word of God, by the Word of Joshua, by the Word of Jesus, the enemy gets on us as soon as we're saved, doesn't he? Oh, that's what takes place here. Look at verse 1 of chapter 10. Now it came to pass, when Adonabezek, king of Jerusalem, had heard how Joshua had taken Ai, and had utterly destroyed it, and as he had done, as he had done to Jericho and her king, so he had done to Ai and her king, and how the inhabitants of Gibeon, Gibeon had made peace with Israel, and were among them that they feared greatly, because Gibeon was a great city. See, they didn't care if it was a great city or not. They just wanted mercy. They believed the Word of God, friends. That, may, that might have been the great, one of the greatest cities to stand against the Israelites, but they knew they were doomed because they believed the Word of God. Look what it says. Gibeon was a great city as one of the royal cities, and because it was greater than Ai... And all the men thereof were mighty. Wherefore Adonabezek, the king of Jerusalem, sent to Horham, Hohem, king of Hebron, and these other kings. In verse 4 it says, Come up unto me and help me, that we may smite Gibeon, 
For it hath made peace with Joshua and with the children of Israel. Therefore, the five kings of the Amorites, the king of Jerusalem, the king of Hebron, and the king of Jeremoth, and the king of Lachish, and the king of Eglon gathered themselves together and went up, they and all their host, and encamped before Gibeon and made war against it. And the men of Gibeon sent unto Joshua to the camp of Gilgal, saying, Slack not thy hand from thy servants. Come up to us quickly and save us and help us. For all the kings of the Amorites that dwell in the mountains are gathered together against us. So Joshua ascended from Gilgal, he and all the people of war with him and all the mighty men of valor. And the Lord said unto Joshua, Fear them not, for I have delivered them into thine hand, and there shall not a man of them stand before thee. Joshua therefore came and unto them suddenly and went up from Gilgal all night. And the Lord discomfited before them, before Israel, and slew them with a great slaughter at Gibeon and chased them along the way that goeth up from uh, Beth Horah and smote them to Azek, 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 and unto Makeda. And it came to pass as they fled. Get this verse. This is marvelous. This is a marvelous deliverance. God said, You'll win this battle. In verse 11, And it came to pass, as they fled from before Israel and were in going down to Beth Horon, that the Lord cast down great stones from heaven upon them unto Ezekiah, and they died. They were more which died with hailstones than they whom the children of Israel slew with the sword. Boy, God threw great big hailstones down on them and killed more with his great stones. I'll tell you what, it was great stones on a great day. Many of you have heard that spoken, as we mentioned in Sunday school. Great day. Some of, there's a song, there's a great day coming. Second coming. I want you to know this was a great day too. This was a great day. God was protecting his newly saved people, the Gibeonites, in these four cities. Because they'd made peace with God. They'd humbled themselves and came as lowly sinners and said, Jesus, save us. Joshua, save us. And he said, I'll save you. (laughs) And when he saves us, he preserves us. Hallelujah, what a Savior who can take a poor lost sinner, set him free. Amen. Put a song in our heart, even praise unto our God, and the devil's crowd won't take our song away either. Until it's God's timing, you're invincible. You're indestructible until God's timing for you to go. Because He's purchased you with His blood on the cross. Just like He saved the Gibeonites, preserved them. Praise God, we've got a great Savior. Now verse 12, let's go on. Then spake Joshua to the Lord in the day when the Lord delivered up the Amorites before the children of Israel. And he said, in the sight of Israel. I like that. He said this in the sight of Israel. This wasn't done in private. This wasn't done in private prayer. Joshua says, Son, stand thou still upon Gibeon 
And thou moon in the valley of Ajlon. And the sun stood still and the moon stayed until the people had avenged themselves upon their enemies. Is not this written in the book of Jasher? So the sun stood still in the midst of heaven and hasted not to go down about a whole day. There was no day, and there was no day like that before it or after it that the Lord hearkened unto the voice of a man, for the Lord fought for Israel. I'll tell you, the God of heaven, if He'll save you with His glorious salvation, He's able to cause the sun to stand still a whole day to keep you saved and to preserve you from the enemies that are out to kill you or to destroy your testimony or to hurt you in any way. The Bible calls us a peculiar people. We're His precious jewel. We're His bride. We're His body. He's the head and we're the body. We're His church. It tells us to love your wives even as Christ loved the church and gave Himself for it. He gave Himself for us to die for us. He's the one that created the sun and the moon. He can do what He wants with them. I want you to know, though, that God caused the sun and the moon to stand still because God is going to preserve Gibeon after he saved him. By the way, there's some other things that God preserved. It tells us over in Psalm 12, verse 6 and 7, The words of the Lord are pure words, as silver tried in a furnace of earth, purified seven times. Thou shalt keep them, O Lord. Thou shalt preserve them from this generation forever. The Word of God is preserved forever. But I want you to know along with the Word of God, the Bible's preserved forever. You are preserved forever. We are eternal. And I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish. Neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. God doesn't just save you to let the devil come and get you next week, next month, or next year. We're saved for all eternity. And all the imps in hell and the devil himself cannot change my salvation. What God doeth, he doeth forever. He gave me eternal life when he saved me 40 years ago. And that eternal life is still in me. And it is in the person of the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit cannot die. For he is God. That's why I'm ultimately going to go to heaven because the Holy Ghost lives in me, the Christ in me, the hope of glory. Praise God. He saves us and He keeps us saved. I so pity these precious people who misinterpret Scripture and say you can lose your salvation after you get it. No, you can't either. It's eternal. You can lose the joy of it. David said, Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation. But thank God... Our salvation is eternal. I'm so glad He saved these Gibeonites, but I'm so glad He caused the sun to stand still so they could wipe out these ones, these five nations who came against God's little children, God's new possession, God's newly saved Gibeonites in all four of these cities. Praise be to God. When we get saved, we get, we get grafted in, friends. We're just as important as those that are born naturally and brought in. 
Thank God we're adopted into the family. We're grafted into the wild branch, the Bible says. We're his precious jewel. Some have said, and I don't know if it be true or not in the interpretation of Scripture, but we're his pearl of great price, some have said. I know not about some of those parables. I know one thing. We are precious. The Bible says precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. His bride is precious to him. I'm part of the bride. I'm the body and he's the head. He takes care of his body. He loves us as a husband who's the right kind, cherishes and loves his wife. Christ loves the church. As he preserved his word, he'll preserve us. No day. There was no day like this day. By the way, we can call this the great day. The great day of grace. The great day of salvation. The great day. And I know one thing. There were great stones that were thrown down on them. Everything God does is great. Because he's a great God. He has a great salvation. He has a great deliverance. A great preservation. He preserves us. It says what he's done, he'll do forever. He that hath begun a good work in you will perform it under the day of Jesus Christ. We are kept by the power of God unto salvation. Aren't you glad you're not hanging on to God? You might let go, but he's got you. The Bible says that we're in his hand. Amen? And Christ is in God's hand. And we're just wrapped up in the Trinity. Hallelujah. And we got the Holy Ghost inside. How in the world could you lose, lose God? Took the, took the Lord so long to get your attention and my attention, some of us stubborn ones, in our unbelief. But He's got us and He's got us forever and I'm so glad I don't have to hang on to Him. I couldn't find Him to begin with. I was so wrapped up in myself that I couldn't see Him. But oh, when all that was taken away and I saw nothing but my Savior, that's when I got saved. Nothing but my sin and my Savior. And my lowliness and my helplessness, my weakness for His strength. Oh, wouldn't you gladly trade your weakness for His strength? Your nothingness for His gloriousness. I was thinking about over there in 1 Corinthians as I was going over that yesterday. The greatest of these is love. Aren't you glad He loved us? When you get saved, the first fruit of the Spirit is love. You get to really love and know God. You know what? He says that love and charity... You know, I was thinking of this. If love and charity are the greatest of these, faith, hope, and charity, these three things that are going to last, the greatest of these is charity, then that's probably the one we need the most. And you know what I see popping up in our churches? Instead of charity, I see pride. Pride is an abomination to God, a proud look. God blesses the lowly and the humble and those that are filled with love and compassion. Ms. Buhern was trying to help some people the other day. I'm just glad she wanted to help somebody else. No matter who they are. Hallelujah. I'm glad somebody cares about dirty, nasty people. And you just expect them to be liars! Amen? Just expect them to be liars. Don't expect them to be good church people where you find them out there. They're just as 
just as filthy as the devil himself. But God could save them. God could change them. He did it with us. The greatest of these is love, friends, charity. Now, you've got to use wisdom unless you get killed, sister. We want to keep you around here. Amen. Or you get accused of doing something that you're not involved with. Amen. That's where wisdom comes in sometimes, and some of us lack that a whole lot. Most of us do. But some churches have said, every phone call you get for help, you just turn them all down. I don't think that's right. Not when I've got my Bible and says, them that ask of you, give. Expecting nothing in return. Amen? You should care about people. You should want to help people. Some people you can't help. But you should want to help them anyhow. Because the love of God is shed abroad in your heart by the Holy Ghost. I'm so glad that these Gibeonites were loved. And so Jesus comes on the scene and He just destroyed them all. And He'll destroy them all for you too. He'll defeat all the wicked crowd that are out to get your testimony. He'll be there for you because He loves you. And don't you let the devil tell you that you're going to die no, the Lord will keep you safe. Now drive the speed limit. Don't be an idiot. Amen? Don't be speeding. Try to obey the law. Keep the law. I got a ticket, a warning ticket. I'm so thankful. I finally found my warning ticket. I was just testing the highway out here and making sure I didn't slide off the road or for our school the next day. On that Wednesday night, we thought it was ice that morning, and I knew it was going to be ice, I thought, in the evening. And so here's the police car. Pulls me off because I was checking the ice, you know, and he thought I was a drunken driver. <laughs> and then I went on the center of the road as I went over the, the thing here. Not on the center of the road, the center of the lanes. There's double lanes going over that bridge there. But I didn't want to slide over there into the... I thought it was pure ice. And so I asked the dear officer, I said, Sir, have you ever driven on ice before? And so instead of giving me a ticket that would have costed me money, I was already pulled over. He pulled me over on the highway, and I said, Oh, no. And I didn't get off far enough. I, I checked. I said, All my lights are working. What have I done this time? And that's been years. Years since I was stopped. I was stopped out here before, only one other time in about the last seven or ten years because I didn't put my seatbelt on. He let me go, and I was so glad he did. But anyhow, the other thing. So here, he, here I am, and I'm over here. I'm, I'm pulling along, and it's raining out. And it was under 30 degrees. It was 28 or 27 degrees. I said, sure enough, there's going to be ice everywhere by the morning. And so I pulled over, and he said, get off the road more. And what's there but jesters? There's no place to get off the road, sir. So here I pull into jesters. All my church people go into McDonald's. I thought, what am I doing in here? I've got to do what I can do. So he comes up to me and I say, what have, what have I done? And finally I said, I hope this is a warning, sir. He said, and he, he was freezing out there, this fellow, with all this rain and ice and everything. And, and um, I wanted to get over to McDonald's and... Uh, and then I, I misplaced the ticket. So I'm calling up the next few days to find out if I had a real ticket or a warning. Thank the Lord. 
Yesterday, I found it in, in my other suit, po suit pocket that my wife had picked up at, at Goodwill, and I hadn't worn yet for a long time, and so I found the slip there. I, I couldn't figure. I checked the whole car out trying to find the slip. But I thought, what a testimony this is with my church people coming by. I was going to tell the policeman I shouldn't even be parked in here. <laughs> it's like pulling in the bunny club. Jesters. Wicked place. I hope you don't go there all the time. All right. Anyhow. Aren't you glad that the Lord saves you? Wasn't I glad when I finally read the thing? I said, oh, it is a warning. Thank the Lord I don't have to call anymore. The Lord is gracious. Amen? The Lord is good. But I, I say all this, try to keep the law. You know, don't try to, don't try to, you know, well, I'll make it there faster than anybody ever's made it there. Yeah, yeah, you'll be up a tree somewhere. And you're a Christian. That's poor testimony. Well, I want to close the sermon, but you're such a good audience, you won't let me close, so it's your fault. <laughs> Aren't you glad that the Lord not only saved you, but he'll make the sun to stand still for you? He'll make the moon. The Bible says a whole day. I'm told by scientists there's a day missing in creation, and they don't know where it is. By the way, I would serve you notice that there were other great days when the Lord did open that Red Sea, that was a great day. When all those plagues came on Egypt, that was a great day. When they went across Jordan, that was a great day. But I'll tell you what, the greatest day of great days is when you got saved by His grace. And what He saves, He keeps. And when you get to the place where you say, nobody cares, you know He does. For He saved you and He will preserve you. And He'll love you. And when everyone else is against you, He'll hug you up close spiritually and say, you're mine and you're mine forever. And nobody will take your life until I allow you to die. I'll be with you forever. Fear not, little flock, for it's the Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. You know why He said that? Because... The disciples feared. And then out there on the side, Peace, be still, fear not! We are sheep and we're very timid and we're prone to get scared. We're prone to fear when we ought not to fear. You know what He promised them? He promised them peace. And you know what they got? They got peace. Oh, I, I almost left this out. We'll see tonight that they were content with just plain being servants. For later on in their existence, the Gibeonites were mistreated by Saul. And God took note of it. I tell you, the Lord, the Lord is there for you. What kind of a husband would I have been to marry my wife and not protect her? And not provide for her? And not be there for her when she was in trouble? And so the Lord will be there for you. Fear not. He is the Prince of Peace. When He promises you peace, there'll be peace. It'll be like a river. He told that woman at the well, it'll be in you a well of water springing up into everlasting life. And I've experienced it. That's what it is. She experienced it. She left her water pot. She didn't need that anymore. She went away with the whole well in her heart. She went away with Christ in her heart. Salvation in her soul. 
And that God that saved Rahab, as she put that scarlet cord out the window and left it there, that same Christ will preserve you. He won't let the devil's crowd or any Christians even destroy you. He'll protect you. Isn't that a great consolation? Lo, I'm with you always, even unto the end of the age. Our Father, bless we pray the word of God. Thank you for saving us. Thank you, Lord, for being so good to us, giving us so much after you saved us. Help us to rejoice in thee.